morning. Uh, with all that's going on this morning, and I, what I can tell you is you have experienced on your end of the camera about a tenth of the mayhem we've been experiencing on this side of the camera. So thank you for your patience, and I'm glad you stayed with us. Uh, and with everything else going on, with the shut-in, the lockdown, quarantine, uh, with this whole pandemic thing, um, I think some of us are, are about ready for that to be over. But uh, especially with the um, news that comes to us from our cities, and especially last night, uh, just so many things going on, and it, it, it's very easy to uh, get a little depressed and to um, just uh, kind of come toward the end of our patience. But one thing I want to remind you this morning is that uh, this today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will, as a matter of choice and as an act of faith, I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, there's so many things that can, that can put us down and so many things that can depress us. But God is still on his throne. He's still sovereign over all the universe. He still commands the waves and the winds. He still has rulership over the, the mountains and the valleys and the plains. He is still Lord of all nations and Lord of all peoples. He is still the sovereign king of all kings. And so what I can tell you is God is still on his throne. And because of that, we can rejoice. It's okay, even, even though we have... Um, you know, questions and wondering and concerns, very real concerns, and, and frankly, some fears about the future. Uh, uh, yet we can take time and we can pause and just rejoice in the goodness of God and rejoice in the grace of God that he pours into our lives. Um, I know it's frustrating and it, and it can be very hard to, to hang in there with it. In fact, I was just looking at the Psalms recently and over a dozen times, uh, it, the Psalms cry out, how long, O Lord? How long is this going to go on? How, how long do I have to put up with this? How long are my enemies going to be triumphant? How long are the wicked going to prosper and the righteous suffer? How long, O Lord, is this going to go on? And in the book of Revelation, we have this wonderful picture that, that John uh, relates to us that he saw in heaven. Um, it's in chapter 6, book of Revelation, and uh, John says that he saw underneath the altar in heaven, he saw the martyred saints, those who had given their lives for Christ, those who had put their faith and their hope and their confidence in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And yet as a result of that, they had actually suffered death at the hands of others. And, and so John says he sees underneath the altar, and that is to say underneath the place where God is worshipped underneath the place that is the connecting point between sinful man and a righteous God. There underneath the altar, he saw the beautiful souls of God's people. And yet he heard them. And, and what they were saying is, how long, O Lord, how long before your righteousness comes and judges the wickedness of man and your glorious scene finally, finally. And so even in heaven was this question of how long. But then if you skip over to chapter 8, book of Revelation, and, and we'll move on from this in just a moment. But uh, in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 8, it, it, John had this, this vision of an angel going to that same altar and collecting the prayers of the saints and, and lighting them afire in a, in a censer, if, if you will. And, and as the, the, uh, uh, the, the prayers of the saints... How long, O oh Lord, were, were ignited? They, they rose like smoke up before God. And, and so literally, God made provision 
that hit, that our prayers, even our prayers of frustration, are heard in the courts of heaven. And if we were to go on and, and, and expound on it, we would see that those prayers are answered in the rest of the book of Revelation, that God's righteousness does come to earth and that the prayers of God's people do have an impact on the world. So uh, I would just I would say just pause and remember that this is God's day and pause to rejoice in it and in the goodness of God and that God is definitely, definitely on his throne. Uh, but it, it is hard to pray sometimes, and, and that's why it's so important that we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we looked a little bit at it last week, and frankly, this week we won't get quite to the Lord's Prayer uh, again, but we, we're in the run-up to it because in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, uh, the Gospels tell us that the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John, that is John the Baptist, taught his disciples to pray. Now, this was an odd thing for them to ask. Lord, teach us to pray. These were Jewish men. They had grown up in a culture of prayer. They grew up in a, in a nation, in a culture where, where they were praying all the time, morning, noon, and night. They were praying in the synagogue constantly. Prayer was, was a, a permanent fixture in their lives. And everything that they did had had some kind of prayer going around uh, in, in, the, in the environment around them. And so they were praying all the time. These men knew how to pray. They knew what to pray. They knew the prescribed prayers of the Jewish tradition. And yet they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they may have been just saying, well, Jesus, we want to, to see a prayer that that will identify us as your followers, a special prayer, sort of like a code language prayer that everybody will know when we're praying this, we're disciples of Jesus. And that might have been what they were asking. They did say, uh, you know, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. They have a, a team prayer. We need a team prayer. That, that may have been the, the, the extent of it. But I think there was more to that. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray because they had seen prayer to be such a significant part of who Jesus is and of his ministry. Jesus was constantly praying. The, the scriptures tell us that oftentimes he would go off to a deserted place to be by himself, and there he would pray early in the day. Scripture tells us that before he chose the disciples, he went off to pray. Not that he was unsure of, 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 of who the disciples should be, but because he wanted to be in perfect concert and tandem in that sweet communion with the Father as he brought these 12 men into the orbit of his ministry. Uh, sometimes he would pause in the middle of a, of a miracle to pray. He, he paused before the, the, uh, the tomb of Lazarus and, and, and he, he prayed. Um, so Jesus was, was constantly praying and the disciples saw him pray all the time. Even the, something as simple as praying over a meal uh, must have made an impression on them. Uh, after all, the, the, the scriptures tell us that the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection did not recognize Jesus right away. But when they went into the house and they were about to have dinner together, that Jesus said the blessing. He said grace over the food. And just by the way he prayed, the two disciples recognized who Jesus was, who, who this man in their midst really was. So prayer was an identifying part of the ministry of Jesus and, and very much of, of how he um, was in gu guiding and leading his, uh, 
his disciples. So they saw something in Jesus. They saw a special kind of, of, of prayer going on that wasn't a part of their prayer. It wasn't the prayer of the Pharisees who loved to stand on the street corners and be heard praying. It, it, it wasn't the, the prayers of the synagogues that were prescribed and written out and you recited them. But this man, Jesus, was praying in a way that bespoke of a very intimate relationship with God the Father. And so they said, Jesus, we would like for you to pray. It shouldn't really um, surprise us that uh, they were ignorant of prayer, even though they prayed all the time. People in our world today pray all the time. I, I don't know how many times I've had somebody say something like, well, when I pray, I don't think you have to close your eyes and bow your head and fold your hands. I just talk to God. And, and I feel like saying, well, that's wonderful, uh, but don't you know everybody believes that? Everybody knows that that's what prayer is. But, you know, in terms of the mechanics of it, but there's something more to prayer. We'll see that as we go through the, through the Lord's Prayer in, in following weeks. But it's more than just chatting with God. There's something real and something powerful that goes on. The scripture tells us that we don't know how to pray as we ought there in Romans chapter 8. But when we come before God and we pray and we pour out our hearts and we, uh, we confess our, our lack of understanding and knowledge and wisdom and we, we pour out our prayers before God, the scripture tells us in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf before the throne of the Father. So God the Father, uh, sending God the Holy Spirit to pray uh, for us on our behalf before the throne of grace in heaven. And then a little bit later on uh, in Romans 8, it tells us that Jesus, the Son, is at the right hand of the Father, and that there at the right hand of God, Jesus is making uh, intercession for us. So we really don't know how to pray. We really do have an ignorance of prayer, and um, that, that should not discourage us at all, because that is the work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. And so we pray honestly, and we pray uh, diligently, and we just lay out our hearts before God and understand that, that we don't have enough data, we don't have enough information, we don't have enough wisdom to know what to pray for, but God does, and so we join Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, not my will, but, but your will, Father, your will be done. Because Jesus did teach his disciples to pray. He, he gave them the Lord's Prayer, but he also gave them the example of prayer, and no, uh, no example no teaching more more powerful than when he took James and Peter and John with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he told them to wait and to watch, and he went off a, a, a distance from them, and he began to pray. And had you been there, you would have seen the greatest lesson in prayer ever. You would have seen uh, Jesus teaching that prayer is all about expressing the, the depths of your heart and the depths of what you're feeling and experiencing to God. But at the same time, uh, recognizing that God's will is absolute and that the purpose of prayer is not to bring God's will into alignment with what we want, but to bring our will into alignment with what God wants. And so Jesus taught his disciples about prayer in the Garden of Eden, a Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane. Um, but the disciples slept through class. Uh, I, I guess later on they, they came to understand the significance of it. But at the time, they were not. Uh, paying attention, but there was this great need for prayer that the disciples 
recognized there was something about the intimacy of the prayer of Jesus that they wanted to have that same intimacy and that same sort of, um, uh, of, of understanding of what prayer was in their lives. And, um, and so as they, as they said, Jesus teaches to pray, they were really responding and reacting out of the fact that they had been very close to Jesus and it was starting to rub off on them. They were starting to realize the great distance between who Jesus is and, and who they were. And I, I would just mention very quickly here that the closer you draw to Jesus, the more precious prayer becomes to you. And the more you love Jesus, the more you want to pray like Jesus. And the more you 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 know that Jesus is, is real and active in, the, in your life, uh, the more you want to be surrendered in prayer to Christ. And so the fact that we are ignorant of prayer is actually just a, a reality. We could never uh, actually know enough or or, or understand enough to really know what to pray for. But Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll show you what to pray, and this will put you in the ballpark. And when you pray, pray to our Father, which art in heaven. And not only do we struggle with the, uh, the ignorance of prayer, we're, we are also with the disciples very impressed with the importance of prayer. Um, I want to remind you of the time Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and while he was um, uh, coming down the mountain, he saw that there was a crowd and the disciples and that they were um, uh, arguing with the Pharisees. And it turned out that there was a man who had brought his son uh, to the disciples for healing. We, we've related this before. But in, in the course of the, uh, of the encounter, as we read it in, in Mark chapter 9, uh, Jesus, first of all, asked, you know, well, what are you arguing about? And they said, well, this, this, this boy uh, comes before us. He's possessed of a of an unclean spirit and and we tried to cast him out and we couldn't and um, then Jesus says bring him to me and, and there's dad and, and Jesus talks to the, the man's father this is the, the time when Jesus said you know all things are possible if you believe and uh, the boy's father prays that wonderful prayer he says Lord I believe but help thou mine unbelief uh, yeah I believe but I know I don't believe the way that that accomplishes great things, and 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 my faith is just weak and and paltry, um, and and that was that was a kind of honesty in prayer. Much could be said about that, but uh, just to move on in the story, then then Jesus takes the boy and the and the uh, the the unclean spirit attacks the the child and 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 throws him down on the ground, and and uh, Jesus then commands the spirit to come out and to never come back again. Uh, the boy then. Uh, uh, you know, it just looks like he's dead, but Jesus raises him up and returns him to his father. Now, what happens is the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we cast out that unclean spirit? I mean, after all, they had been out on the on the mission when Jesus had sent them out two by two and um, they had uh, uh, performed miracles and they had proclaimed the gospel. And so they had seen the power of God and they had even been um, apart personally of God's power flowing into somebody else's life uh, for the sake of healing. And, but they said, this one, Jesus, we could manage this one. They said, why was it? Why couldn't we manage it? And here's what Jesus said. He said, this kind, that is this kind of problem, this kind of spirit, this kind of, 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 uh, of attack by the evil one. He said, this kind comes out only by prayer. Only by prayer. Now, the reason I related the, the, the story before we got to that point is that at no point in that encounter does the gospel tell us that Jesus actually prayed. 
He talked to the crowd. He talked to the disciples. He talked to the, 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 the boy's father. And then he talked to the unclean spirit and cast him out. But he never actually paused and folded his hands or looked up to heaven or he never actually prayed a prayer that that is recorded in in the gospel and yet he says this kind comes out only by prayer what could he possibly mean that the prayer has to come first and that there's a lot of prayer that needs to go on to prepare us and get us ready for the moment of crisis when it comes you know there's so many problems in our world today problems in our nation and there and there's there are things going on uh in our country today and we look at them and, and what i want to tell you is this kind of thing comes out only by prayer this the, the kind of answers that we need come only by prayer the kind of answers our, our nation needs not just the temporary answers that might last for a year two years or until the next next problem comes up but the the, the answers that are permanent and eternal come only by prayer and we are only able really to address the problems of our nation and the problems of our world when we are immersed in prayer. Jesus said this kind comes out only by prayer, only when you are already connected to the Father. And we'll see what that means hopefully next week. But only when you're connected to the Father and praying to the Father and, and looking at the world the way the Father looks at it and seeking the will and the righteousness and the justice of God. Only by prayer do these things come out. And that's the importance of prayer. That's why when the disciples said, well, we would like you to teach us to pray. It was more than just, we, we would like you to teach us what to do in five minutes every morning when we have our quiet time. It was Jesus, teach us to be people of prayer, people who live in prayer. People whose lives are in constant communion and fellowship, listening to the Father in prayer. And that's the importance of prayer. But there's an impact of prayer that we have to remember as well. In uh, Acts chapter 10, uh, we're told that Peter, Simon Peter, was, uh, uh, he was out preaching on a, a preaching mission and in, in a, a, a journeying around, traveling around. And he was staying with a man by the name of Simon. Simon was a tanner. He tells us Simon the tanner. And when he was staying with him, one day Jesus went up to the rooftop to pray. He was there on the rooftop to pray. And as he was there, God gave him a vision. It, it, the, the scripture says it was like a sheet coming down and it opened up. And he saw all the animals. He saw four-footed animals and reptiles and birds and beasts and so forth. And, and the voice from heaven said, kill and eat. In other words, lunchtime, Peter, here's, here's lunch. And Peter said, absolutely not, Lord. He says, God, you've commanded me to do this, but I, I'm, I'm just not going to do it because that's not my heritage. That's not my tradition. That's not my background. I am a Jew and I, I obey the dietary laws. That's been a mark of, of, of how Jews have related to the world. We've, we've suffered for that. We've been made fun of it. We've been kicked around because of it. This is who we are. And, and, and Lord, I can't budget off of this. And God said, Peter, if I made something, don't you call it unclean. Peter, if, if I'm the creator and I have created this, you need to understand that I'm the sovereign. 
and I'm the Lord. I told you to eat. Don't you, don't you hide behind a tradition and hide behind a religion. Understand, Peter, you need to change here. And Peter did. By all, by all accounts, Peter did. And what, what happened was in, in his prayer, and I don't know that he was praying for change or praying for anything, but as he was praying, God used that moment of prayer to speak to Peter again in a way that Peter wasn't even looking for. He spoke to Peter and he said, Peter, all that, all that division between Jew and Gentile, that's gone. It's over. What I've created, don't call unclean. And so Peter's life was changed because of that prayer. You see, when the church gets together, when the church prays together, the building shakes and the glory of God comes down and fills our souls. When the church prays together, prison doors are opened and chains fall off and the prisoner walks free. When the church prays together, then we discover the joy and the glory of living in the presence of God. And so there's an importance of prayer. There, there's, uh, there's, there's an importance to um, uh, having prayer constantly in our lives, even though we're ignorant of prayer, and we don't quite understand how it works. But there's an impact of prayer. And that impact has to take place in, in the life of the believer. That, that, impact takes place because you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God and not be changed, not be altered by it. Uh, and so this morning, I would just challenge you to pray. And you say, well, I don't know how. The disciples didn't either. We still don't know how to pray. We still rely upon the Holy Spirit to guide us in prayer and to make intercession for us. But especially, I would, I would ask you, I would challenge you to let prayer have an impact on your life. That wherever you go, whomever you meet, whatever situation you are in, that the fact that you have spent time with the Father before his throne of grace would alter, radically change, and make different how you respond to the world around you, how you respond to your life, how you respond to others uh, in your life. And so my challenge this week is the same as it is, was last week. I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer. I want you to just thoughtfully think through it. And when you say, Our Father, just pause and say, You know, I, I have the foggiest notion what to say next. Thank you, Lord, for giving me something to say. And then work your way through it. We're going to be working through the prayer. Again, it, it, it reflects what Jesus taught. But if you pray the Lord's Prayer and let the Holy Spirit minister to you in that time of prayer, you'll come to understand that you are changed by the impact of the Lord's prayer. So this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I'll be glad in it, and I will pray in it. Join me in prayer, please. Father in heaven, I'm so grateful that before this day came, you had already designed it for your glory. I thank you that before this moment, uh, showed up on, on the clock that you had already perfectly placed everything in the universe that we might be useful in your hands. And so, Father, I, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would work a work in us, that you would change us and 
And Father, that you would make us more like Jesus. Father, you would give us a sensitivity of prayer. And that wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say, Father, it would all reflect the fact that we've spent time in prayer with you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.